0: Hey guys, welcome to the Mountain Church Podcast, where we are going to focus on always loving Jesus, loving people, and learning to be a little bit more like Jesus. My name is Sue Ellen, and I'm here with uh, Sam Goulet. Hi, Sue. Awesome, hey Sam. So really for the purpose of today, I think what we're gonna focus on is really understanding a little bit more of what it means to be a city on a hill, creating health, prosperity, horizontal leadership, like a community of each other, helping each other achieve their goals and learning more to be like Jesus. On my side, I just will do a quick intro and then pass it over to you, Sam. I'm in tech sales. And I think a huge part of that is that a lot of days I have to figure out how to derive purpose from something other than just my career. I think it's also really cool for people to know that you can ask questions about God, get deeper into God and not necessarily be in a church 24 seven. So yeah, Sam, I'd love for you to introduce yourself.
1: That is cool. That is very fun. And uh, I'm a pastor and I've been two year pastor for a while, God. since right after junior high, right? Yeah. High school. Yeah. yeah. And then you moved away to California and Texas. Yeah. And just those two, right? And then back to Vegas. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I've been in your life and Jess has been in your life for a while now. Too and long. I, yeah. Yeah. Let's end this relationship right now. <laughs> this is the okay. end. The podcast to finish it. <laughs> and so I've been a pastor for some time uh, and I pastor a church in Vegas called the Mountain Church. And and then recently I started some businesses, so yeah. I've really enjoyed that. That's been a very fun uh, journey to develop uh, in my life. Going from nonprofit work to blending in for-profit businesses has been an exciting learning, uh, a learning curve for sure. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's an adventure, and I love adventures so. That's been really fun. And then I have a wife and four kids. That's awesome. We've been married coming up on August 8th. I know. 14 years. Isn't
0: that wild? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. you always
1: make fun of how pastors talk about their wives. I do.
0: I'm always like, so oh. So this is perfect. I would like to shout out my wife. Thank you
1: very I much. My wife, she's right over there. <laughs> she's Hi, right sweet. there on the
0: front row. Isn't she beautiful? <laughs> you better be taking notes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she beautiful? Even
0: though you heard this about 20 times last night. <laughs> Praise
1: God. Yeah, my, my <laughs> wife, and this is funny because I think if the roles were reversed, right, and she was the, the preacher, she loves being in church, loves listening to the sermons, loves being in both if she can. She's like, wow, both are so different. That's cool. And there's an element of that that's true. I can't really, I'm the personality type that can't do the same sermon exactly the same both times. Yeah. Like, it's just a little bit boring to me. So I have to kind of try and take different angles, approaches, try out different stuff just to keep it interesting.
0: That's cool though, because I think if you think about it, a lot of times people, and this is what I was talking about with like intro to the wife and like sitting on the front row and going through the exact same transitions, the same timing of offering. It is a formula that people have created. And it makes me wonder like, how much do we leave room for God? Yeah. You know, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool that I feel like if you're getting creative and doing things differently in your sermons, like.
1: Well, I think though, that question is great to ask about the pattern of a service. Mm -hmm. The same way, I think it's great to ask about the pattern of a life. Yeah. Because anything can get into pattern and structure without intention. Yeah. And that's where it becomes really dangerous and becomes, you know, pseudo religious or, or rigid. If it's not church language and Christian language, somebody's life becomes rigid. Then I think there's growth issues there. Yeah, They're stuck. I'm actually
0: curious. Like, I mean, obviously you grew up in the church. You Mm -hmm. were a kid's kid or a pastor's child yeah. for like child, were yes. child. children's <laughs> um, like you, you were, you grew up in the church. How do you feel like it was to not get in the pattern of like rigidity and just like, I'm going to start my own church and I'm going to also be a mm-hmm. pastor. Like, how did you know the difference between you being called to it yeah. and it just being the thing that you knew?
1: Well, a lot of people would ask me if I felt called to it. And I still to this day think I have declined saying yes. Okay. I know that sounds weird because I am a pastor. Yeah. But I feel called to be like Jesus. I believe biblically like that's where calling is actually most clearly seen. Yeah. It's an identity call. So called to be like Christ, to walk with Christ. And then I think of things like pastoring or missionary or business entrepreneur. I think of those things as like either assignments or things I do. Yeah. That I could be passionate about them for sure, but I don't actually really see them as a healthy interpretation of calling. Yeah. This is a real far step away from how most would communicate about ministry.
0: Definitely. They'd
1: say things like, I feel called to full-time ministry. I feel called to be a pastor.
0: Yeah.
1: And I would always encourage like, well, well, I, I understand what they're saying. Yeah. For sure. So I'm just not to get all technical on them, but I would want to emphasize uh, to really clearly see it like I feel called. To be a son or a daughter of God, yeah, and I'm going to walk in that, and it'll at times have me be a pastor, an evangelist, a husband, yeah, a father and and so you can kind of move in and out of seasons and roles better when your foundation is is Jesus in my opinion. I love that. And in my yeah. It actually
0: kind of leads back to your, um, your message today, which yeah. I thought was really, really good because yeah. it made me also think differently. I think a lot of times people don't understand how difficult it is to really not make what you do your identity. Mm-hmm. And I would say for me, like God work is like definitely the thing I have to learn to surrender the most right. because it's the thing in my life, even though I'm totally a type A, which is just like, I have got to have a process and okay. a way and a formula, and I've got yeah. to stick to that process. Uh, interesting. And I have to do it over and over again, but yeah. it's got to be different to keep my attention.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Me too.
0: Yep. There yeah, you for am. sure. So it's like, Yeah. but it's, it's, it's interesting. So, um, I mean, I know that you're doing a lot obviously here to really encourage your community to yeah. make Jesus your foundation. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, I think you spoke to it a little bit today, Mm -hmm. but in terms of like what that looks like, obviously it's one thing for all of us individually to build a foundation where we point to Jesus. What does it look like to do that for a church though? What does it look like to encourage your church to do that in a community setting?
1: That's really interesting because I think that I see a lot of, of my experience in church has been churches get can tend to get so busy that they almost lose their North star in it. Yeah. So you get busy doing something for God and strangely enough, it, you can, in that busyness, get disconnected from God. Yeah. And that seems absolutely contradictory. But it, nonetheless, it's very much the case. A lot of people point to like Mary and Martha. Yeah. In that time where, Mar, uh, you know, Martha was taking care of the house blah, 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 and she was complaining about Mary not doing the same. But Mary was spending time with Jesus. Yeah. So a lot of people point to that story as kind of that tension that exists between doing things for God and then being with God. Yeah. And, and that can be a little bit of a challenge to somebody's kind of intimacy and connection to God. And I think that's a, that's what I see as being a great plague to people's connectedness to God. And especially certain personality types. Yeah. And certain personality types, high achievers, ambitious folks. Doers, yeah. <laughs> they, they tend to get really focused on doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. And that's where there's an invitation by Jesus for them to engage in a be still know that I am God worship. That just.
0: So I would, I good. would definitely frame you as like a doer. Yeah. So I'm curious, like what in those moments where you feel like, okay, I'm doing a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you know, okay, it's time for me to like slow down. Let me, let me get more and refocus and recenter (laughs) on God.
1: Yeah. I was talking to a friend about this because they were telling me their pattern was they go about three months and then they have like a burnout month in their work. And I was like, I could really relate to that. Yeah. Like I go hard in the paint three months and then there's this like. I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't care about yeah. anything. Let's quit it all. Uh, and, that, and it's never actually the case. It's not my really true feelings, but that fatigue sets in, and that's a it's a balance that I'm still trying to crack and solve that routine in a you know week in and week out daily basis. Because current pattern is I try, but I really love. I love doing stuff. Yeah, I love building stuff. Yep, I love going hard, like just running hard. I love yeah. it. It's so much fun to me. Like I, I feel kind of like restless when I'm not like, you know, really exerting going for all of it, your effort, exerting your yeah. energy. So then you exert it, exert it, exert it. Dump out, dump out, dump out, dump out. And then you're like, well, I need a little bit of a
0: now. I feel. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you're like, and it's like almost an emergency. Yeah. I actually heard a, a video, Mr. Beast talked about his pattern. Okay, He's like, I don't really work in a typical work week, uh, like, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday, take off the weekends. He's like, I work basically 24 seven for about 10 plus days. And then I crash yeah. for a day. And then he's like, I'm good the next day. Yeah. And he's like, that's my pattern. And I kind of know it. I plan for it now.
0: I think it's so interesting that even over time, we find that like, there's a lot of similarities with people though. Mm-hmm. You brought up an interesting verse a couple of weeks ago in Revelation that was talking about the churches, the two types of churches, mm-hmm. the one that was doing, but really had less faith. And then the okay. one that had more faith and maybe belief and maybe perhaps more, more peace and time with God, but, mm-hmm. but needed the ability to do. Right. Um, so perhaps the answer is in community where we partner with people that are, mm-hmm. that are our opposites.
1: Totally. Absolutely. That's a challenge too, right? That
0: is. I mean, I would say um, on on my side, I recently heard this awesome thing that another pastor told me by like an ancient
1: old book. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're listening to other pastors? (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. Did you get permission? Or do I have to give you permission? (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the way. (laughs) Um, But uh, he said something really interesting, which is act like God does nothing, pray like God does everything. Yeah. And I fell in love with that because I realized in my life, I do, I act like God does absolutely nothing because. so many times in the church, there are so many people that are just like, I will pray for you. And I think if Mm. anyone has grown up in the church, there's some sense of relatability to that being the equivalent of like a Southern bless your heart. Sure. You know, like, oh, okay. Thanks for your ingenuous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're going to just pray right now, just do it. Right. That's my mindset. Just do it. Like, I I don't think I, I pray like, like God does everything. Yeah. And I think it's, it's fascinating that if you don't couple the two, Mm-hmm. Then how can you how can you in fact say that Jesus is your foundation? Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious. What are the hardest parts of your life that you feel like are difficult for you, even as a pastor, to like surrender or to to recenter and remake sure that your foundation and your focus is on Jesus?
1: As a pastor,
0: yeah. Or um, as as a person,
1: right? Yeah, it almost feels like the two are are slightly different because the pastor is very specific. Like what's that struggle in there? And honestly, it's pastoring the part that's a struggle to me, a challenge to me in pastoring is the continued shepherding in this, with the same people. Like my, my gifting, I think is bent more towards evangelism. So I really love new projects, new people, new connection points. And I'm adding five friends a week, (laughs) right? Like that's kind of my pattern. As far as my typical, my default is I'm adding more friends. Yeah. And my, my default on the other end would be that I'm, I'm possibly neglecting five friends at the same time. Yeah. Right? So like that tends to be my, my personality's default. Yeah. So the challenge then, because at times that's a neglect for the pastoral role, which would be deepening relationships and building more yeah. connection, uh, being vulnerable in those relationships, being seen and seeing yes. people that you love because I do love them, yes. you know what I mean, and so um, so that tends to be something where I have to really sacrifice my my default personality motivation,
0: yeah,
1: uh, which would be like I don't want to be here in the same room with the same people talking about life sometimes, yeah. you know sometimes like sometimes I love it and yeah. it's deeply meaningful, but I love to like oh hey what's your name oh Sue hi Sue what's going on where you come from oh tell me about Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, let's do that together. That sounds like so much fun. And then we're just, and now life has sparked and all this cool stuff. I love it. You
0: bring up a great point though, which is, I think a lot of times we, we put people in certain camps, which is like, you are an evangelist in the church or you are a pastor. So you're going to constantly shepherd the same people, or you're going to go to new places and you're just going to constantly build new dynamics, give people new words, whatever the case may be. But I think it's actually interesting. Like Jesus did both. He discipled the 12, but he spoke to new crowds. And I would say that like.
1: You got to do both. You got to do both. Even if, yeah, one's going to come probably more naturally than the other. Yeah. But you got to lean into and develop both for sure.
0: It's fascinating. I was talking to somebody else about this, which is you spoke on this today, which is of all the things, I think the thing that registered with me most is that like your foundation can't be your gift. Yeah. And I think a lot of times even I have gone around to people and been like, yeah, I just kind of have gotten lucky. I've gotten blessed. Like I can just, people would say, you've got the gift of gab or whatever. I'm sure you felt the same way where you can. Speak one on one in front of groups yeah. with people, and honestly, you can get by. You can go up and approach people mm-hmm. randomly, whatever the case may be. But like, your gift can't be the thing that defines you. Yeah, it's got to be your character and discipline to like honor Jesus yeah. over and over and over again.
1: I've rejected the gift of gab brand. People have tried Same. to put on me. Yes, because it's, it, it's it is inherently derogatory. Yes, it's like you know you just kind of shooting smoke out your mouth. Yep, and so I'm like. No, Yeah. no, I can communicate. I can communicate for a long period of time without stopping. Yeah. That's a skill. <laughs> oh, we <You> know. <laughs> know. <laughs> and I can do it in, a, I think, a crowd engaging way and yeah. I understand that skill because communication is just a skill. Yeah. So I can understand that. But, you know, my, the other parts of me, which is the parts that drives to be genuine, yeah. authentic, is not saying things, just to get people's attention. Yep. Uh, But it's saying things, at least it's efforting to say things that are true, that are impactful, that are meaningful. Yeah.
0: It's fascinating because actually like, when you're up on stage, I'm curious. Like, obviously, there are moments and times where you probably feel certain things from the crowd, whether that be that, Push like, back. yeah, that they're receiving it or oh, that yeah. they're pushing back from what it is that you're saying. Yeah, what do you do in those moments? Like, how how does that feel to be like, all right, I'm discipling these people, and maybe some some of those weeks are overlapping on the weeks where you're also being like. I wish I was talking to a new crowd. Like, 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 what do you, what do you do in those moments? Are you just like, all right, like, this is where God's gonna move? Do you feel like God moves the most in those moments? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Sometimes, sometimes it, it does. Just kind of, it just. I, I heard a comedian talk about it where he said. Hey, I, so I will say something and then I'll feel the crowd move away from me.
0: That's so interesting. It's like the
1: exact phrase of how he described it. And I, I I've never done stand-up. Yeah but I immediately knew what he was talking about. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. And so you'll see you'll have this relationship with the crowd that you're speaking to where you can feel not everybody all at once, but you can feel the generalized sensation about what's happening with everybody or most of the people. And so you can feel them move away sometimes.
0: Most definitely.
1: And so if you're a preacher, that's a crowd pleaser, you'll look to get back on track to pleasing the crowd. But the challenge is, and I've actually preached on this, the challenge in aligning yourself with the will of the crowd is that the will of the crowd also killed Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a real... That's interesting. That's a bad equation. Yeah. Uh, and the crowd, of the, the crowd also couldn't take communion with Jesus. Yeah. So he preached about communion to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Right? And so then the crowd left. They were offended. Yeah. So the crowd killed Jesus and the crowd couldn't get to communion level intimacy with Jesus. Yeah. They could, they could experience miracles. They could experience the wow yep. of God. The goodness. But they couldn't experience communion and life with Jesus to that point. So it's an interesting kind of paradigm, right? It's like you've got this tendency to not do that or to not be capable of doing that as a crowd. Yeah. So as a preacher, you have this really odd puzzle, which you actually don't get to talk about very often because you're usually preaching yeah. rather than talking about the dynamic of preaching. Yep. But you've got, say so you've got 200 to 500 people in the room. That's a crowd. Yep. And so in theory, somebody would say who's never done it before, we'll just speak the truth and that's it. (laughs) Right? And that's what they're thinking, right? 100%. It's like, okay, I understand that. And I I think you should always speak truthfully. Now, what truth you speak with what tone you speak it in. Ephesians talks about speak the truth in love. Yeah. So now it's qualifying the delivery of truth to in love. That seems to be a real interesting thing to meditate on. Because what's that mean? Yeah. Does that mean you say all of the truth all at once in the most blunt way you can, or does it mean that you unroll it over time? do you do some, say some things early and some things later, like, what does it look like in love? Yeah. And you really have to think about that.
0: It's actually, you make a great point. And I think it's even, I think there's even a parallel between like the things that you will have to overcome as a pastor and also the takeaway for people who are sitting in the audience and listening. Mm-hmm. And I think for us to like bridge that gap between one another, because I think there's so much pressure yeah. on pastors. Yeah. And I think there's also some relatability there to, to the people that are listening, which is like, I'm in tech sales. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will, will draw the parallel between like, oh, old car salesman, you've got a lie to get your way, you've got to do this, you've yeah. got to manipulate the conversation, mm-hmm. when in reality, a lot of it is just figuring out if your solution can solve the problem that that person has. Yeah. But it's fascinating, because a lot of times there will be that that moral conflict where there will be moments mm-hmm. where you will want, you mm-hmm. will have the desire and the want to win that deal, mm-hmm. but you may lose the truth in that deal. Right. And so you have to That's ask good. your question, like, is that is that the way? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that... Is that how I want to win the deal? Mm -hmm. And I would say it's very difficult because you see how it impacts your pocketbook. Right. It impacts, right, your status at a company or organization. Right. It impacts. And I'm sure that you guys run into the exact same things as pastors. But I think a lot of times people don't, people don't go into detail or discuss it really openly.
1: Yeah. And that's the, I love that you brought up the sales and the business stuff because it's, since I've started doing some business things, I and in meeting with businessmen, yeah, sometimes asking them advice, sometimes just wanting to listen, yeah, to how their experience is. and you see those. Paradigms where they take on like a salesman type of paradigm, yeah, because they believe that's what they need to do to be successful in it. Yep. But then I see people take a little bit of a different approach and go, "Well, I actually think I could be truthful and be prosperous in sales."
0: Yes, it's actually fascinating. Some of my best deals that have come through have been a couple of churches where I've looked at them like on Zoom calls and been like. We are not the best fit for you. Yeah. Like I am I, and I would like take off my recording and be like, yeah. I would love to sell you on this, but we're not the best fit and here's why. Yeah. And oftentimes they still ended up purchasing with us. Not because the tool was the best, yeah. not because we had the best solution. Because you're honest. But because I think the honesty drove yeah. a relationship that made them willing to trust yeah. that what we offered was truly what we said we offered. Yeah. And it's fascinating how actually the truth and and the fear will almost want to rule our lives. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking with somebody about this the other day. I think a lot of people have decisions that they make out of fear, mm-hmm. but I think there are very few people and I would say you're probably one of them mm-hmm. and, and you can agree or disagree, but like I think a lot of your decision making is made out of the things you love more yeah. than the things you fear. What was the quote you gave today during the the sermon that your dad and some other pastors used to say, which is the reason that people change
1: change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change.
0: Yeah. I think that's really insightful because I think it's true. Many people, they will not seek even from God, Mm -hmm. like criticism or a change of heart or really truly let me surrender because Mm -hmm. I want to surrender. And I would say, I mean, I'm sure you've been in that place. Even I've been in that place moments in life where like, everything has broken. Everything has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Everything has crumpled. The foundation is gone. Mm-hmm. And I almost went to rebuild yeah. on the same things. Yeah. <laughs> that was my pattern. Yeah. Let me rebuild on the same, the same level of what I felt or deemed was successful, which is just my career again. Mm-hmm. Let me rebuild on the idea that I just want a family. I don't really necessarily mind who it's with or what it looks like. Yeah. And I think like we've, yeah the importance of like straying from that and and finding that even if we're not in pain and even if we're we don't necessarily feel like we're broken, mm-hmm. how do we still surrender to God
1: right, because that saying and I, and I, when I preached, it, I said, I said, look, I think that that's actually totally nailed the default human condition, yeah, most aren't going to change until it's too painful to stay the same, yeah I was like, but in the Christian potential in partnership with Jesus, you know the scriptures like the kindness of God leads repentance, yeah. So it's saying kindness can change you, and God's love can change you. So I've kind of noticed that you can be proactive about changing. And then in connect to God's kindness and God's love and change. Yeah. So you could pursue change rather than being essentially kind of a passive recipient of change.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I think you're actually doing this kind of within the church a little bit with the concept of city on a hill. I know we, we had a conversation and um, you really, you spoke to the fact that I think at some point in time, you want all of everyone on staff to be volunteers. Like that's a massive change that I feel like is not, is perhaps I'm wrong, but it's not something necessarily out of pain.
1: Yeah. So all the staffers on church staff right now and hearing this are, are freaking out.
0: <laughs> <They're> <laughs> Sorry,
1: like, guys. I the idea is, and I talk with the, about it with some people, you know, businessmen and stuff. I go, well, the the purity of doing something for Jesus in ministry, I think can most effectively be realized when that person has financial freedom.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so that's a, that's a hard place to get to It is because you have to work hard and for profit. You have to start some businesses. You have to do some things, yep. right? You have to invest. You have to be smart about your money.
0: Most definitely.
1: You know, you have to own. Yes. And so that path to financial freedom is a challenge, but I think it's worthy pursuit because then you could do the things of the Lord, the yes. things of ministry, the things of your giftedness, the things that God wants you to do in ministry and in church and in nonprofit world without having to receive a paycheck. Yeah. Perhaps. And that's an interesting proposition. I think that's the healthiest place yeah. to get to. It's gonna. It takes work. It takes, you know, thought processes. And, and then I've wondered at times, well, is this possible from A to Z? So there's some theory there that has to be tested. Yeah. Like, the, can the accountant just account and not get paid? Can the, <laughs> right? And like, you go yes. down the list and you're like, okay, so pastors. Okay, well then, but do you compensate them for when they preach or... So there's some more detailed questions about it, but nonetheless, you don't have to solve all that to kind of set your heart into place of conviction to go, I actually want to work towards financial freedom so that I could do these things for free if that's what I choose to do.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, We are going to take a brief cut just so that it's not too, too long, but I hope that you'll join us next week for more.